Hello and welcome to the Property Roundup on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. The show where we chat to industry experts to get a view on new trends emerging. And some days we have the opportunity to look beyond the experts and talk to the people who are actually buying and selling or renting in today's marketplace. And such is our situation today. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah McInerney, recent solo first-time buyer. Sarah, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Carol. Thanks very much. Um, Sarah, I love when I get the opportunity to speak to home buyers and home sellers and renters because we spend a lot of our time speaking to the industry. And, um, you know, and, and particularly when we talk about issues impacting first-time buyers, sometimes they can be quite assumption-based. So it's always great to understand the experience. Um, and when we talk to people who are in the process, there's a high level of frustration. So it's great to somebody who to talk to somebody who's come out the other side. So look, you might just kick us off by telling us about um, your purchase and how long you're in your new home. So I bought my apartment, but I actually bought it in Galway, but from Dublin. So I was working in Dublin at the time for a few years and I had been looking for a property in Galway. I'm originally from Galway and I just wanted to move home. So I had been looking for somewhere on the market in Galway, which is very, very tough to get somewhere. It's um, it's a very kind of tight market, especially if you're looking for particular areas. So I had spent about maybe three years looking for somewhere in the right area. And I'd gone through the process. I had gone sale agreed once, maybe twice before actually finding the apartment that I had gotten. So yeah, it was it was a long road, but we got there eventually. Three years is a long time. And that can be frustrating, yeah. particularly when you're trying to keep your mortgage offers in date. And so yeah. you might just let's let's start maybe by looking through the uh, at the mortgage situation, because as I mentioned at the start, you're a solo first time buyer. And it's something mm -hmm. we've covered a number of times on the show, particularly over the last year or 18 months, that it is genuinely difficult. There are, there are circumstances that make it difficult to get a mortgage. So one is if you're buying on your own. The second might be mm -hmm. if you're self-employed or you're really a member of the gig economy or if you have um, young children because childcare costs really push um, first-time buyers and, and even people trading up and down into mortgage difficulty. So you might just talk us through your process of kind of getting yourself mortgage ready and then securing the mortgage. So when I first became curious about buying a property, I had rang some banks myself just to query if it would be possible, knowing that I was a single buyer and my wages wouldn't be the same as, you know, a pair. I knew I was at a real disadvantage. What I found when I rang the banks was I was told it wouldn't be possible to buy a property in Galway living in Dublin. Now, the reason was that they they don't like to give you permission to buy somewhere that's too far for your commute to work. But my work was, um, it was sleepover shifts at the time. So it was two shifts a week that were 25 hours. So my reasoning was, I'll only be commuting twice a week. So the banks were not keen to give me this, but what I did was I actually went to a broker who advocated for me and found offers for me instead. Some of these from banks that had said no to me, but when he had gone to them and he had explained it to them, they had given me permission to apply. So I went through the mortgage broker and I got all my paperwork directly through him. So he requested all of my bank statements, your Revolut statements as well, not just your bank, and have been looking for things like, they look to balance your 
your expenditure and obviously your income as well, but that you're being responsible with your money. So like things like gambling or, you know, spending habits that are just not, you know, long-term. They're not really like, sorry, what's the word? They're just, you just can't be spending like that if you're applying for a mortgage. You have to show that you're saving money each month and that you're able to pay back the mortgage basically. So you need help me with a lot of that. I think it's really interesting uh, when you talk about, the, you know, the broker being able to get you offers from banks that have turned you down, because actually, you know, mm. it, it has consistently been our experience really over the last decade and a half, almost two decades, that um, brokers are very good at packaging home buyers in a way that the home buyers themselves aren't very good at. But yeah. it, it really makes me question, you know, the investment that banks make in building relationships with their people. They shouldn't allow a situation where a broker who is not familiar with the person that that has been banking with you for a decade, yeah. possibly, they shouldn't yeah. be able to do that. But um, don't get me wrong, I, I'm absolutely in favor of brokers, but I think the banks really need to question how they're approaching mortgage lending. And I think that's yeah. just a really interesting one. Um, Sarah, between you and I and whoever happens to be listening. Was there any behaviors that you did have to cut out? Because I have heard about people, you know, <laughs> having to cancel online gambling uh, accounts and things like that. Was there anything that you had to say, no, this can't you know, happen now? I, I, would, I would love if I was exciting enough to say that, but I'm probably not. <laughs> no, no, pretty boring. But it is a weird thing knowing that your broker is going over your bank statements with a fine tooth comb. Like the sense of not embarrassment, but like, God, I hope there's nothing that shouldn't be on there. Because <laughs> they go through it so much as well. Like if you're, like, as I said, I was looking for three years. So you have to reply, reapply for your mortgage every six months. You only get it for six months. So you have to go through the whole process. So you have to be good for years, really. So. You know, and I, I think that's a really good takeaway for anybody listening here today, because actually one of the things we talk about is preparing for your mortgage and you do have to be good yeah. for years. And, and genuinely, I identify with your pain because even through our business, um, I, I, at least once a year, I have to have a call reassuring our state or our, um, our accountants that uh, as a PR and communications agency, um, coffees and lunches are our tools <laughs> they're the tools of our it's necessity it's a necessity it should be um, right off <laughs> so so you know these these are genuine conversations that we have but i do think it's great for home buyers uh particularly first-time buyers to be preparing for the journey and it's something that yeah you know over the years when we've interviewed brokers some of them are really good at explaining that and they say listen come in talk to us 12 months out like you described how you started to get curious about buying a property that is so different mm. to the experience we hear from most people most people are coming at it from a place of absolute utter desperation you know they either need to get out of where they they are or they're renting yeah. and just paying so much money and you know it is a nice place to be approaching a home search from a place of curiosity rather than desperation which is just the case it's for a very privileged place, place to be coming from to be honest and working in homelessness i'm acutely aware of that privilege every day coming in and out of work you know it's just impossible for people these days it really it really, really is, you know? Yeah. So I'm, and you know, I was and always very aware of that. No, I'm actually, no, I'm glad you've said that because, you know, it is it is a privileged position to be in. But on the other side of it, um, I, I the counter to that is that renting is certainly not a privilege. I, I think our yeah. rental system is so dysfunctional at the moment. Um, it is much more dysfunctional yeah. than our property market. Um, and actually, that that leads us on to an element of your purchase that I'm really curious about. 
because in conversation before the, the recording, um, you know, you had talked about availing of some of the state supports. Now, we talk about a lot of the state supports that are available for home buyers, whether they're first time buyers or, or people trading up or down or indeed for residential investors. Um, and those schemes are not always easy to navigate. I have been a frequent, uh, I, I've gone on frequent rants giving out about the application of the vacant homes and derelict homes grant, yeah. despite the fact that it's so needed in Ireland today. But you had a really interesting experience. You availed of the City Living Initiative. So you might just, for anybody who's not familiar with it, you might just explain what that is. Yeah, so the Living City Initiative. Actually, funnily enough, I had come across that online. So I started joining some social media pages so I could learn more about the mortgage process and about the buying process and just to try and learn as much as I could before I even started. So one of the pages I followed, you know, crazy house prices. Yeah. So he um he had put up something about the Living City Initiative. So I thought I'd have a look at it. Now it's it's restrictive in the way that it's applicable only in certain cities, older cities like Waterford, Galway, Dublin. And what they do is they have a map where the properties within the shaded parts are applicable for this grant. So the grant is for, it's encouraging people to move into historic buildings or older buildings, but to maintain them. So for people to live in them so that they don't degrade or we forget about them. So my apartment was in this shaded part. It was in the applicable part for this Living Cities initiative. So there's a couple of rules with it that you have to adhere to. So you have to be able to prove that your building was built pre-1915, I think. Um, you have to be able to prove that you don't need planning permission or you have to apply for planning permission to alter your property. And you have to uh, you have to spend over five thousand euro. So when you're and renovating, is that something? Um, does this conflict, say, with the mortgage um situation? But nope. you need to show you have the funds. And is it a case that you do all of the work and then you draw down the grant? Yes. So you do some paperwork before the grant. So you have to apply for the grant and say what you're going to do to put in a proposal this is what i'm going to do this is how much it's roughly going to cost um so for me that was i'm going to put in a new bathroom i'm going to alter some of the layout this is why i don't need planning permission and then afterwards you you have someone from the council come out and view the property make sure the work is done put in some evidence i sent some pictures of the property after i was finished renovating it and then they send you your certificates. And then when you have your certificate, you apply to revenue and they put on the tax benefit for it. So what you do is you can, now this is very maths and figures. So what you do is they give you 10% of what you've spent under the applicable grant back as tax credits per year for 10 years. So that's applied to your, your tax and then that's applicable every year for 10 years after that. But you have to have your receipts for all the the, re the relevant works. So basically, if you tipped your house upside down, what wouldn't fall out? You know, your kitchen, your floors, your bathroom suites, um, different things like that. But I think if you look into it in depth, you can apply for the interest of if you had a, a renovation loan, 
you could apply for the interest off that loan to be applicable under that grant as well. There's a few there's a few different things you can get under it if you're if you're detailed, if you like the fine print, we'll say. Which which you obviously do, and that and that's fantastic. And <laughs> um, do you know in real terms what that was worth to you? Like because you know, there's always this trade-off of the effort that it takes to go through the having to go through paperwork, it's having to get official people signing off and everything, you know, in, in real terms, was it worthwhile? And do you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think over the what 10 too? years, um, I think, oh, I think over the 10 years, I'll nearly have earned back through tax. Mo- most, most of what I spent on the renovation. Or Amazing. close to it anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think you do. Because you get 40% back of the 10% that you spend every year. Yeah. You know, so you do. It, it'll add up over the years, absolutely. But it's just about getting kind of organized, knowing what you have to do as well, really reading the fine print, ensuring you have all the paperwork done, you know, getting to know the people in the council, you know, asking them, what do I need? What do you need from me? What would you like? And just making sure you keep them happy and just ask them what they need, what they want, and make sure you have it. Because it's definitely worth it. It's, it's tedious, but I mean, anything like that is definitely going to be worth it at the end of the year when you get your, when you get your tax statements. Um, Sarah, I have definitely spoken to hundreds, if not thousands, of would-be home buyers and home buyers over the past two decades. And your you and how you approached it is unusual in a number of different ways so um one of the things I probably should have pointed out at the start is that as a first-time buyer who was dependent on a mortgage and no backup plan you also bought through auction and yeah. it, it really I, I do you know and because I I'm so kind of excited about the Living City initiative that I don't want to skip over the auction because Again, over the past decade, we've really encouraged home buyers to get involved in the auction process and banks, in theory, support their their mortgage applicants buying at auction. But in practice, that's not necessarily the case. So can you talk us through your experience? So I was very familiar with the market at the time. I knew every property that was up in the county and the city. And what I was also doing at the time was researching what properties in the areas that I wanted to buy had sold for in the last six months. So there's numerous websites that you can use to do that. It's very informative. So you can find out like what everything in the area sold for, what things should cost, we'll say. So that was one thing when I was going into the auction. I was very aware of what properties in the area had sold for. I knew what my apartment had previously sold for. So I wanted to go to the auction with an open mind. However, I was advised by my mortgage broker who did everything, bent over backwards to help me. But he did remind me that there was a very real risk that the banks would not approve the drawdown of my mortgage. In theory, I was approved. However, I was approved for a two bedroom property. My apartment that was up for auction was technically a one bedroom property, which I planned to renovate. But that doesn't necessarily matter to the banks. So I was warned, he actually had to send me an email to highlight the risks. So I was aware, you know, of the risks of going ahead. Because if you do go for auction, you are putting, you know, your deposit off. You want to make sure that you're mitigating the risks as much as you as much as you can, because it is a big risk. You could lose your 10%. And technically, someone told me recently as well, reminded me, they can technically come after you for the rest of the price as well. 
So you want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row. But like you said, it's a very accessible way to get a property that some people might overlook because it's not necessarily conventional. People say, you know, auctions are for cash buys only. It's only for people that can afford to pay on the day. But the banks do, like you say, they technically do support it. They can be awkward about it, but they do technically support it. And I was able to eventually draw down. Yeah. And look, I I really want to highlight this because we want first time buyers. We want home buyers trading up and down to use auctions. We want them to avail of this. However, we also want banks to get much, much better at supporting their, their applicants through this because actually it's great for you everything worked out but as you rightly pointed out that might not have been the situation and then you could have been stuck so i am familiar with uh home buyers who purchased through auction in the past but they've always had a backup they've always had okay well we could go to the credit union or our parents could lend us this and then we return it when we get our mortgage you know they had some bit of a backup for that really critical 28 days that contract period because buying at auction is not like buying at private treaty and um you know again you you've rightly pointed out the risks that you're you're essentially contracting to pay the full amount so you're not just risking the the loss of the 10 percent deposit you're technically opening yourself up to be sued for the the entire amount um so I, I essentially I'm I'm delighted it worked out for you. Um, and as you've rightly pointed out, there are good opportunities and it's a good cost efficient way uh, for yeah. home buyers to get on the, the property ladder. But the risk is so high. I think it would scare most buyers off. You obviously oh, don't definitely. scare easy. I I remember actually I went for I went for a coffee with my brother after view in the place and he was so delighted so excited about it he didn't realize the risks and he was like why are you so nervous I was like I don't think you realize how much I could be on the hook for you <laughs> and then my email had come through from the broker and he had gotten really nervous I said listen only one of us can be nervous here and it's got to be me not you so <laughs> but it did it worked out but there was definitely a lot of risks and the banks were extremely awkward when I did go to pull the mortgage down. There was issues because because of the work that I was doing at the time, my hours were not a set hours every month. They were different every month, always. And that really made the banks uncomfortable and made it very awkward for me because my wages were different every month. So they were they were curious because I had been sick for one of the months in the previous six months prior to pulling down the mortgage. And they had said, no, 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 your wages have dropped. And I had to explain to them my wages haven't dropped. I was sick, but they're still higher than the median average that you were going to give me the mortgage for. But it was just very awkward from them at the time. And I was getting multiple letters to encourage me to make sure that sale was closed by 28 days. My solicitor was very nervous, very, very nervous. Okay, well, Joe, look, I I am glad you're sharing that because it would be irresponsible of me to encourage homebuyers to look at down the mortgage route without truly understanding the risks. So actually my call to action to the industry today is more for the banks and the brokers to actually improve your processes. And we've been calling for that for about, oh, since at least 2011, 2012, 2013, when mortgages started to become more more common in Ireland. So actually um, it's great that you had the experience and you were ultimately successful, but actually that's, an unfair level of risk that you had to take on 
to be able to purchase a home. So actually we want to get the banks to get their their procedures in order so that they can better support home buyers and first time yeah. buyers and inexperienced buyers who wish to buy through auction because otherwise you're excluding the people who need good opportunities from the best opportunities in the marketplace in some cases. So yeah, um, I, I so thank you so much for sharing that today. Um, and I I think it's I I think it's important to to point out that um just before just before we started recording, you know the the the. The one of the first things you said is that uh, I have no regrets coming back to Dol to Galway, and actually that's something I want to touch on as well because since yeah. COVID, we've seen people um with the option of commuting and remote work uh for a number of days a week, and obviously your circumstances are different there, but that people actually for the first time in a couple of generations get to choose where they live, independent yeah. of their work situation, and invariably we're finding that they're choosing to they're choosing rural Ireland but we don't have a yeah. policy in Ireland that supports people choosing rural Ireland and I know you're gone to uh, Galway City so you don't fall into the rural Ireland bracket but you did choose to leave Dublin kind of the capital city and come back are you originally from Galway City or County? I'm originally from Galway County so my mother would say we're country so country. yeah Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, because it's it's a big decision. Because um, if for anybody who's curious, uh, certainly um uh, about the Living City Initiative, certainly go on and look at the maps. Because actually, what you'll see is that these are very inner city. These are the buildings that um actually when this initiative was being talked about first, it was actually called the Living Over the Shop Initiative because that's actually yes. what it was aimed for. So when yeah. we say city centre, you're really city centre. We talked about privilege earlier and we're going to mention it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very lucky. I'm, I'm, I would be living in a property in the West End, so part of the older part of Galway as well. So I'd be very, very lucky. It still hasn't worn off every time I come out my front door. It's beautiful, you know, and like you said, people are having the option to choose where they live now as opposed to being forced to live, you know, in the bigger cities or like Dublin, you know, and I think if people had the choice, we would be surprised at where they would choose to live. Most people I know would love a house in the country, but it's not always accessible as, as we think either with, you know, with the, with the grants that you were talking about, the derelict grants, those are, those can be difficult to get. And I find that when I look up properties, I think the price is being added on to them. Also, you'll always see in a little line at the end of daft ads, Oh, this is applicable for the for the derelict property grant and you know that they've tacked on an extra 10 15 20k onto that price knowing that as well thinking yeah. oh well you know and and it's so. incredibly unfair because actually we know those grants because we've talked about it so often um in recent shows that actually um they, that it's difficult for people to avail of those grants and that's why yeah. it's actually at a really low um uptake rate but actually i can remember when the living cities uh was first announced um all of the brackets had to be changed within about 18 months because the, again, the take up was so low and it, so was, low. it was a scheme that was seen as particularly complicated. And, yes. um, and whenever you have a very complicated scheme, it tends to put people off. Um, yeah. Whether they're first time buyers or investors and not many schemes are open to investors, but, but for the ones that are, they still tend to put them off. They're seen as not worthwhile. Whereas actually, I think your experience shows that it's absolutely worthwhile if you're willing to persevere with it but now that yeah. you've come out the other side you're back living in Galway literally in the heart of Galway and um, I know you've since 
move jobs so you don't even have to do that commute to Dublin twice a week yeah, so you're you're living lucky. and working and contributing to society as well there in Galway um when you reflect on the journey uh back of of you sitting in Dublin renting a place wanting to be a homeowner maybe wanting yeah. to return home in the future not knowing if that would be possible at all and probably no doubt hearing the frustration of your peers and your friends um what what could have made your journey easier what does the industry and the state need to listen to home buyers about I think for single buyers for people on their own you know we've spoken about that it's particularly inaccessible you're talking about your wages by three three point five that's great if there's two wages but when it's one it can seem so daunting so just impossible really and especially if you want to live somewhere you know, like Galway or Dublin, you know, it just seems out of reach. That for me, I would recommend that people look at the auctions. For me, I got great value in my property. I really, really did. I did a structural survey beforehand thinking there has to be something wrong with this place, but there wasn't, you know, and that put my mind at ease a lot, knowing that there were no, you know, major structural issues. Absolutely advise people, arm yourself with as much knowledge and information as you can know about what places cost in the area you know know about the local auctions going up for sale for for me what would have made it easier it would have been the bank's process but releasing the funds for the mortgage that was highly stressful i was getting multiple letters from the vendor solicitor and i was was very it was very organized you know it wasn't it wasn't me it was very organized but it was very difficult to get them to release the funds it just felt very awkward unnecessarily you know it should be more streamlined and more accessible we're trying to get people into homes here this is this it shouldn't be this difficult you know really so it would be nicer if the banks were a bit more a bit more streamlined a bit more organized you know when they put off something for review, it goes to the bottom of the pile. It, it could take another week, but when you're waiting for your auction, it's 28 days that the funds have to be released. A week is, is not possible. You, you can't have that. I was picking up documents and physically delivering them to the banks because I didn't have time to wait for postage. Okay, yeah, you, you obviously have a, a great approach to this. Do you know, is something you said there, I think should really be the tagline for this show because Every week, everything boils down to the same thing. It just it shouldn't be this difficult. It shouldn't it be shouldn't this difficult. Be this so um, I, I think that's fantastic. And I suppose uh, before we finish up today, I have to ask, even though obviously I know through the Living City, kind of you're committed to where you are um, for, a, a, you know, possibly for a decade. Do you see this apartment being your forever home or do you see it as being somewhere for the stage of life you're at now? I would say somewhere for this stage, for the next few years anyway. I've spent a lot of time and effort, you know, transforming it. It is now a two bed, which the banks would be very pleased to know finally. But a little house in the country would probably be the dream for the forever home, you know, a bit of, bit of space, you know, to get to yeah. really enjoy Galway. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere by um, the water. You know, you're really, you're really proving the, the rant that I have almost on a weekly basis here is that when people are given the choice, they choose yeah. rural Ireland and they uh, do. our policies do not support that at all. But um, no. that, that seems to be the choice. And I suppose, final question, um, uh, if and when the time comes that you are looking for that place in, their con in the country, 
how will you approach your search? What what would you do differently next time around? I think patience is your friend here as well. When you were looking for a property, patience is most certainly your friend. And it was funny because when I would bid on properties, I honestly think my family, my mother and my brother were more upset when it would fall through. They wanted it like now, but I knew that it would take time because it, it just is such a difficult market at the moment, you know, but just patience, patience is key, you know, learn as much as you can about the area, what prices should be going for. And I, maybe I will go for another auction. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, I love that. I love that genuinely. Um, Sarah, you're one of the most, um, interesting and inspiring home buyers uh, that I've spoken to over the past two decades. It's just, it's so fantastic to hear the attitude of which you approach this and the level of research. And actually, you know, maybe as a little side note to estate agents, I want estate agents today to know how informed their buyers are because yeah. sometimes they can be a little bit patronizing and not perhaps understand that actually our but home buyers today and and those would be uh, house hunters are really um you know they're really well resourced um in terms mm. of data and information in a way that just wasn't the case a decade or two decades ago um, absolutely so really interesting chef so look now that you're in your home and settled um congratulations and thank you so much thank for you. sharing the journey it's it's just so interesting to hear um and i would encourage anybody um who's inspired by this maybe to take a look at the current range of initiatives um and state supports that are available because i think the the key takeaway here is that yes you have to persevere yes it's it's not easy but actually it is absolutely possible um so best of luck to anybody who's embarking on that journey and that was sarah McInerney. um thank you all for joining us today my thanks to producer katie tallon and the production team at hear me roar media and huge thanks to our show sponsor property district changing the narrative of the industry if you enjoyed this episode please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out all of the other real estate and construction shows on iProperty radio thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode of the property roundup on iProperty radio